there's billions and trillions and trillions and trillions that get printed and, and debt spent and pyramided upon pyramided. And the only reason why it's even able to work is because of legal tender laws that force people to use the medium of exchange that continues to be printed and pyramid on. It was so bad. We've talked about this in previous episodes. It was so bad that other countries were like, yo, you got to give me the gold. And then it was so bad that the U.S. was like, uh, you know what, we're going to stop giving gold away. We got it. We're going to keep printing, but we're no longer giving gold. And, and so the only people that really ha had no recourse are the, the common everyday man and woman that's just working and, and laboring and, and, quote, paying taxes. But I see taxes as more of a monetary tool than I do as being a source that funds any, any real project. Welcome to Specific Knowledge. I'm your host, Devin Marty. This is a podcast dedicated to exploring how people coordinate and build in a dynamic world where knowledge is distributed and ephemeral. With a focus on creative destruction and the role of blockchain as a decentralizing technology, we discuss new ways to reimagine and reshape the current social order. I'm joined by my two friends, Lucas and Ryan, who are experts in their field. This episode is about blockchain jurisdiction and the evolution of governance. Without further ado, episode 9 of Specific Knowledge. All right, welcome guys. Episode 9, Blockchain Jurisdiction and the Evolution of Governance. We've got a, a lot to talk about today. Uh, you guys certainly uh, were, were chatting about this before we started the podcast for quite a while. Um, I'm excited to uh, actually get this out on air. And um, Lucas, I know you're, this is kind of your wheelhouse. And so I think what Ryan and I are going to do is just kind of um, not devil's advocate, but you know, ask you questions, see, see where we go with that. So yeah, blockchain jurisdictions, take it away. Well, you know, I'm not. I'm definitely not an expert on jurisdiction uh, or blockchain, but it is. It is something that I've been passionate about. One of the benefits I think this technology has for the future of humanity. We talk about money and banking and supply chain and and other variations of markets, but there's there's another market that is often not talked about, and it's the market for for contracts. And we talk about smart contracts, but there's an actual real market of contracts that already exists in the world that we live in. And you're, you're talking like social contracts, right? Social contracts. And um, well, the social contract is one that is, is implied, it's implicit. So it's not one that people any it's ever expressed. You don't, you don't sign a document and say, now, look, I'm a part of the, the social contract. But, but what I'm saying is, is that most contracts themselves are in a, in a very centralized, uh, they're, they're, they're in centralized institutions, the storage of, of, of contracts. I mean, whether it's done through the state, it's done through courthouses, counties, um, or in um, mar markets where there's legal monopolies on who, who writes the documents and, and who interprets the documents. Um, so so it, it, throughout time, that has harmed people in different places in the world, in different nations. People have been disenfranchised because of this. I mean, that's actually one of the stories of human suffering and disenfranchisement is the not being recognized, not having recognition in the eyes of others when it came into these 
legal worlds or commercial worlds um, and having the same access. We and, see that and, in our history with the civil rights movement, right? You, there were, um, if you were black, your ability to own property or to uh, get a bank account or mm -hmm. enter into a contract marriage agreement with, you know, a particular person of, of a different race would be a, was a struggle. Right. So, yeah, I, I do believe there's a big history of what you're saying. Right. In, in politics and in, and even in recent history. And, 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 and we have all grown, you know, we continue, we continue to stand upon the shoulders of, of the giants that came before us. And, you know, we were raised to be um, less divisive than maybe the, the, the generations before us. And then the generations coming later are more open and, and understanding. And they try to move the can forward. And, and we use the tools and the institutions we have the best to the best of our ability. And you look through the nation state and through the political means that we have there, you know, I, I've always, you know, shared water fountains. I've never thought of anything about what someone's religion or, or, or skin color or gender when I drink out of a water fountain, but I was read, I read in history books about what it was like before I was born and how it wasn't always that way. So, um, yeah, um, it, it's, it's being able to understand that I feel blockchain technology can can be used in a way to, as a tool, just like government was used as a tool in its centralized fashion to help make things better. We, we know that we want people being treated ethically. We know we want people living in a transparent uh, world where they're, where they're loved and honored and they're respected. Um, so, so sometimes we have found, and there's whole political science departments and books written on this, whether it's you know, the, the, the corruption through lobby groups or how the intentions of certain systems maybe fall short in certain areas, but not always are the needs of the people being represented actually being met in, in the systems that exist because of certain uh, inefficiencies. And, and I feel that because of that, many of those people we talk about in those systems, they didn't have recourse. They couldn't say, well, you know what, I'm not using your, I'm not, I'm going to, sign my contract and use my property and, and support this over here because the, the idea was that well, they had no choice. And um, I, I feel that blockchain technology can be used to promote transparency and to, we talk about decentralized autonomous organizations, DAOs were one of the first things that really kind of excited, excited me, the idea of people coming together and creating a community based upon shared values and goals, because that's what, that's what, that's what really nations are. That's what counties, cities, it's, it's people who are, who are, who are, whether it's through their, how they're raised or what they come to learn later, but it, there's a semblance of shared beliefs and, and shared responsibility and shared values. And it happens in, in Amish communities, all sorts of communities. We've got Amish, Mennonites, different religious organizations and, and, and people of different beliefs coming together, codifying their beliefs in a transparent way. So people know, Hey, I have beliefs and they're not to cause harm or offense to you. In fact, it's to do nothing but respect and honor and love whatever it is that you work and labor and bring to yourself. Um, it has more to do with how I, how I am allowed to spend my energy. In the past, people give to churches all the time and allow churches to make certain decisions to help communities. And, and, and many times churches would provide certain 
mutual aid group services to, to members of that community. And, but you would have the problem of corruption with the churches too, because you still have people in power. It just became just like a government. In fact, governments in many ways were to help prevent this problem, which is why they wanted the separation of church and state um, to prevent these, these, uh, these, high, these tyrannical dicta dictatorial hierarchies. And, and so I, I believe now, talking about the dialectic, we can actually have this synergy of, of having a, a religious, spiritual um, system of, of, of shared beliefs that also um, is, is built and predicated upon um, contracts and agreements and, and um, equal, equal treatment and, and all those uh, tenets that I think most countries are found that people believe in or found upon, but maybe that blockchain could be used as a better way to get us there. Blockchain, because let's for just, and I'll wrap it up real quick, but just as an example as to how to right now, many projects are, are uh, throughout the state are funded and people don't have much of a choice because it's all wrapped up under a bill. But, but if, but if certain projects through the state actually had to be funded because people actually had to choose to fund that project in order for them to get the, the, the funds, uh, many things would would naturally defund. They would they would they would go away themselves, and we would we would see other services pop up that people choose to fund, and we would actually see the market shift. We would see new jobs, new resources uh, moving to to other places. So, um, I, I think that choice. We talk about voice and exit, Ryan. I think it goes back to that. My big thing is voice and exit. And if you give people the choice, it's the power. I know this from my military experience and, and knowing people, people that work at all, whether you work at the post office, you're a police officer, a fire department, people I believe are generally good. They love their families. They love people are generally, generally good. And, and, they, and they want to make themselves, their families and the, and the world a better place. Uh, before the war on drugs, police didn't go around accosting people and looking throughout their, their horse and carriage to see if they had certain plants in, in the back, right? So there's been a whole criminal class created by, this, by, by these laws. Well, if those laws weren't there creating that criminal class, you wouldn't have people running around and, and, and harming others or uh, appearing to harm others and forcing these laws over over these issues that that many people don't agree with and so i think that right now we talk about civil asset forfeiture and how many many systems and how many people are funded where resources do come from and i feel that if that were to dry up you wouldn't have so many people gung-ho about you know finding people with uh non-violent offenses it kind of goes back to the scripture you know, when people are casting a stone at the prostitute and he says, he who is without sin cast the first stone and everyone puts down like, okay, you know, I got, I have my own issues. I have to work out. And I, and the same thing could be said about, it's a, it's a story about nonviolent offenses. Okay. And if, and if people are in drugs or prostitution or whatever it is, then their suffering is enough. And our, our goal should be to try to help them out, but, but not to, punish them and make it worse. And even now our system actually criminalizes and imprisons prostitutes and johns. So, so there's a whole huge market of nonviolent uh, offenders that if it, 
you could go to church. It could be against your religion. You're not even aware that you're, you're, you're funding a system that is, is actually treating people exactly the opposite way that you believe that they should be treated the exact yeah. opposite way. How many stones can we throw? So, so it's right. more about decentralized contracts. It's more about allowing people to have, we talk about taxation without representation was the founding of, of the story of, of the U S experiment as taught. And so this is what this for me, the blockchain allows for a more transparent representation of people's desires and, and, and will and needs. That's that's and I don't believe that I'm going to it's going to happen. Well, this is so we're so early in the development of blockchain and cryptocurrency. I mean, the networks can't even handle the world right now. We're so early in this tech and and um, I, I have no, you know, desire fantasy of, of of a timeline i just see the potential of this technology right you see cars coming about then you can see how it's going to revolutionize uh transportation and and um well yeah the the technology certainly at its core lends itself to exactly what you're talking about this transparency mm -hmm. this uh blockchain is great at three things storing a a time component of when a transaction occurred uh it's immutable so no no central power can change it and it's audible auditable by anyone who has a computer and can you know work ether scan or, or whatever that is the core the base the fun the fundamental foundation of the building blocks necessary to to create exactly what you're talking about sure we're not there yet sure yeah ethereum can't handle you know a few million people uh, and that's that's an issue but you know give it yeah five years ten years runway who knows, right? There's other blockchains that are well, true. <laughs> you know, it, I, I like the point you brought up about how the fact that we spend so much of our, our tax money, you know, not, not voluntarily, but it gets taken from us to fund things we don't agree with. It's, it reminds me of a, of a saying that I keep seeing in, on uh, social media. Uh, it says, uh, don't stop spending my healthcare money on, on blowing up brown kids. Right. And it's, that's, that's a good point. And it's some, and, it's we're not we're not distributing these resources in a way that's makes people happy or satisfies their values or their, as an expression of their values at all, and it's and that's a sad thing, and so yeah I do believe that there that there's a need for like a governance 2.0 sort of uh, trans some sort of an evolution to something new something more autonomous that gives puts power back in the individual to to um, to group with those of like mind and find and fund the projects that they, that they want to see funded. And, and to, and that would be great. Cause it would, like you say, diminish the, the funding for the things we don't want. Uh, Ryan, you just used a term and I know it's in our title um, governance. And I know you just loosely defined it, but how is it different from government? Okay. Yeah. That's a good question. That's actually a great question. So government is a noun. It's a thing it's, and it's typically thought of as a, as a singular entity within a territory and we go back to the uh, the old definition that's famous by uh, by Weber, the the sociologist, and it's that's the territorial monopolist with the exclusive right or power of of uh, lawmaking. So that's what a government is. It's, it's an entity with the exclusive control over over the law and taxing and policing and all the, what goes into that in a certain territory. It's a jurisdictional territorial monopolist. And governance is different. Governance is a, is a verb. So it's, it could, governance occurs in governments, but it can also occur outside of these territorial monopolists. So 
governance happens in a, in a, in a business, right? There's, there's a decision maker and, and uh, the top and, and then the, the word goes out, we're going to make this change and then everybody follows. That's a form of governance. And it's, ha- it's in the family. It's in, all, it's in all sorts of spheres of human interaction. And it's not about orders and, and backed by violence, by some kind of compulsory monopoly. It's, it's about, it's a conditional thing. It's like, oh, we, we're going to do this. And if you're going to be a part of the team, you're going to do it too, right? And if you don't want to be a part of the team, you can quit. You go to a different, you can go to a different business. You can work somewhere else. You can um, get a job and move out of your parents' house, right? So, so all the different ways that we kind of nudge each other to get on the same page, that, that can be grouped under as governance. And it includes the, the, the govern, what governments do, but it's not limited to that because it also includes the interactions and uh, coordination that occurs in all these other spheres that have nothing to do with legal force. Yeah, that was great. Uh, appreciate that. Um, Lucas, you mentioned something when we were talking a little bit earlier, uh, just the idea of what expectations can be imposed upon people. So we're talking about these systems uh, of governance systems that allow people to vote on how the system that they're living in or, or interacting in, how its uh, mechanics operate, how its consensus is set. Um, what is to be said there, though, about the expectations that can be imposed? And for me, the question is really more about the expectations that we have um, on, on people in the current system. Sure. Let's talk about that first. Yeah. So, so what expectations would, could we then put on other people who are, who are working to, to, to work, to liberate themselves, to, (laughs) to act according to their conscience and to, you know, spend their value in the way they think is, is better for others. And um, I'm, I'm saying Ryan brought the point earlier when we were talking uh, about um, roads and, and certain services and goods that people are used to having paid through the mechanism of taxation. But um, I, the problem I have with that, it's a great point in, in theory, but in reality, our whole system isn't really, it's upside down. It's not real. It doesn't really work the way people think it does. It's not like, well, um, we're going to have a road project, but let's see how much money we can raise in taxes. Uh, no, we're going to rate, we're going to need to raise a little bit more in taxes before we can do this. No, actually there's billions and trillions and trillions and trillions that get printed and, and debt spent and pyramided upon pyramided. And the only reason why it's even able to work is because of legal tender laws that force people to use the medium of exchange that continues to be printed and pyramid on. It was so bad. We've talked about this in previous episodes. It was so bad that other countries were like, yo, you got to give me the gold. And then it was so bad that the U S like, uh, you know what, we're going to stop giving gold away. We got it. We're going to keep printing, but we're no longer giving gold. And, and so the only people that, you know, really ha- had no recourse are the, con- the common everyday man and woman that's just working and, and laboring and, and quote paying taxes but i see taxes as being um more of an eck on on inflation and having a lot more other purposes in the economy really as a tool i see taxes as more of a monetary tool than i do as being a source that funds any any real project sure it, it, well you did mention something in last week's episode where people, you know, using uh, blockchain models of, of governance, 
where we will one day be able to vote exactly for what we want. And if we vote for it, we fund it, uh, not the minority funds what the majority you know, has voted on. Can you speak about that a little more in depth? I think that um, I can I can foresee how blockchain can allow for people to be more in control of how their resources are spent and the, sure. and, the, and, and the more control of their own decisions. And I did talk about this last time. I think if we look at the model of of modern government, which is really not that modern, it's not modern at all. If we look at the model of of government today and we follow its its history, this goes back to a time when not as many people are literate as they are today. And I mean, a percentage of the population, uh, this came, this was created a time when technology, communication, the ability to go from one place to another, it just, it just didn't exist. The, the idea of having a centralized town, a place where a man or a woman had to go off to, to make decisions uh, on the interest of all, all these people far, far away, um, like right now, literally, we're having a Zoom meeting. Where are you? You're you're in Colorado, right? Is that right? We're in yeah. Texas, Colorado. And and so the idea is that right now you could open up your 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 laptop and have a have uh, today's uh, check. This do you want to support this program? This program? This program? Check 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 check. And uh, you could choose what you want to support your own. I call I mean, this a la carte be- governance. Just to la, yeah, la, just to throw that in there. Blockchain has the ability to give people absolute more more control. And and here's what's funny about this: like, you can say, "Oh, well, people just don't understand what goes into it." Think, like, yeah, maybe so, but guess what? Neither do the politicians. In our current system, they just pass a cryptocurrency bill, where admittedly, almost every legislator and senator doesn't know anything about blockchain and crypto, but they got this big two thousand seven hundred page or whatever it is document plopped on them, saying, "Hey, it's in your best interest to sign this and pass this." All the time. Do men and women in fields of political power sign and pass documents over things they know nothing about? So the idea that you have to know something in order to say yes or no is a standard you don't even hold to the people you elect. So, gosh, if you don't have to know about it, you just say yes or no, then at least let the yes or no pop up. And I'll go one further on that. There's wisdom in the crowd. That might be a good uh, subtitle for our podcast. <laughs> yeah, because right? we're talking nice. about you specific know distributed, knowledge. Yeah, yeah, specific knowledge mm-hmm. of time of and place. Right? Well, and so, you bring the conversation to the crowd, like you said, because if all of a sudden people are w- wake up and they have this question for 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 assets and resources to fund a project, hey Ryan, did you see that this morning? I got I got asked to fund this project. Have you looked into that? It, it actually creates more transparency and allows people to actually have more of a conversation on on what it is that they are funding and, and why they're funding because it. there so, probably would be thresholds that would, that funding would have to reach for this to become a real a real uh, alternative right so you say you want to fund a a healthcare uh, program well if so you check it and and you you commit your money and i guess if the, if it doesn't reach its goal you probably would have your money returned to you i'm sure but this mechan- this need to fund things and have them reach certain levels would uh, would have you talking to your neighbors more about about polit- politics and not about who you hate or what tr- what country you want to see bombed but about like the practical things of governance like what do we want to do with these scarce resources and how do we want to me- use them to meet our needs and so this would i guess in a sense kind of reconnect us because we are we're living in an, a- an age of isolation and, and of ma- people not you know spending as much time in the community sphere we, we're all locked up in our homes and uh, live in a sort of a 
disconnected lives, I guess, is a, a big part of our modern world. So this would be sort of an antidote to that to some extent, because it put us back into conversation with each other about the very the big the big issues. That was, um, I think, very all encompassing. I want to move to something a little more like, uh, what does this look like in 10 years? Let's say we have decentralized blockchain based jurisdictions, sorry, jurisdiction. What does that look like for people? How do, how do I go about my daily life uh, voting, uh, you know, reading about what I'm voting on? Uh, j- just what does it look like for me? Well, I, I, I would, I would think that um, in many ways it, it, it shouldn't look any different. I mean, um, when you go to the grocery store and you go shopping and you go do stuff today, you don't know uh, if the person on the highway next to you is uh, visiting from another country or is a member of another political party or a different religion. And so this idea that something fundamentally, well, I, I guess where you would see it, um, where, where it would look is we should start seeing um, a failure in certain markets that people really we could see didn't want. We could see jobs going away. I mean, I'll tell you, I would love to see an example. Here's a practical example. I would love to see prisons closing down, actually closing down because there's way too many of them. And because of the nonviolent offenses that are no longer being funded and supported, that there's not the resources to hire as many people to fill, fulfill those services. So we, we I, what I mean, is why I bring that up is that we should see a restructuring of the economy. We should see whole fields that people no longer support going away. You could take that into farming practices. If there's more transparency, we talked about supply chain and people understand about how uh, monocrop uh, agriculture and the, the mechanisms that are used to, to, to grow at the capacity and rate at which it is, if people really want to eat and ingest that, and if they want to support those large corporate farms, or if they choose to support other things. So we could see a huge restructuring of the economy where we see large uh, companies that seem to be all powerful and all important in providing certain services, uh, losing funding, losing subsidies, losing employment, and losing resources and their resources getting bought up by other people that are now being in demand. So what I, what I would like to see is an, an actual manifestation of, of people uh, having that voice and exit, that, that choice of, of how they spend and allowing that new way of it being spent to, to see those alternatives being created. Well, that's a good social uh, and a good answer to the social changes that we would expect to see. I'm also curious, what do we, you know, what would this look like for the individual? Do, do we wake up and brush our teeth and eat and drink our coffee and then and, uh, check out, check out the, the daily policies that are being debated on our phone or, you know, wh- or do we go to, is it something that's in, in a, in a group that we're belonging to, right? Like a, a borough or what, what do they call them? Uh, a parish, you know, or, or whatever, what's a, blo- a blockchain parish, you know, or what, or na- is this neighborhood based or is it, is it based in affinity groups or religious groups or a political outright political organizations? I mean, I think it could take a lot of forms, probably all of them and many more we haven't thought of. And, but I do believe it's going to be, 
I don't think it's this is going to be something that you have to recreate every day. Like these are immutable contracts, so you probably would handle the big questions about your your titles and your insurance and and what um what kind of overriding issues that you're going to want to see dealt with in certain ways, whether it's defense or welfare or whatever. So, but but at once you make like those decisions, yeah. You, but you don't read. But you don't sign up for insurance every day. So. It's, I would think it's not too different from what we have now. We'd still spend time contracting. And then once we do, it'd be kind of like I said, and forget it, you know? And then as new issues come up, we would have to address those. But I do feel it'd be much more granular at the social level, like small groups of people debating things, discussing things, and then, and then coming to some kind of an agreement amongst themselves and then making that agreement known. Yeah, I agree with you there. That's what I was going to say is that it uh, my idea of how it would work because we're talking about blockchain and transparency and decentralized contracts. So um, there would it, it, one thing you would have to to do is is make sure that your relationship to your brothers and sisters is one of harmony and, and one of uh, love and support. And, and so if you're saying that I want to. Uh, be a member of this DAO or this jurisdiction or this organization, there's still kind of a peace treaty that nations have, right? There's still this, this level of understanding on uh, what your role and responsibility is to others. And that's to do no harm. That's to, that's to respect love and, and to do no harm in that regard. And if one does, then I, I would feel that, 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 that DAO is a actual hub that provides a, a bonding, an insurance service for its members. That, that I could see that being one of the functions because people would like to know that when they're dealing with you, that they're dealing with someone who's covered, who's insured, who if they damage you, if that there's no liability, that they don't have to worry about um, you know, being at a loss because they took some risk. Yeah, we, we, would, we wouldn't want to reduce people to non-entities where they can't uh, uh, interface with with the outside world right that's that kind of brings up a question i had and it's probably not something we can answer definitively but i think we can start grasping with it and grappling to what an answer might look like and the question is is how how would this this evolutionary jurisdictional change how would this connect to the present and how would states and governments interact with and how would citizens of states and governments interact with citizens of the blockchain nation, if, as it were? How, how does that, we're, we're, how does that interface work out, and how do we envision that working? Because it's obviously not going to be a one-size-fits-all change. It's going to be incremental pockets of it here and there as people decide, right? So in there's theory, going to be some in, some evolution. And I'm just curious how how do you see that playing out? I think if it's decentralized on a blockchain, I, well, I mean, I, I don't have a vision of how I see it playing out. I, I will admit right there, but I, I would say that, yeah, I, I'm going to leave it at that. I, I don't, I don't have a vision of, of how it plays out. Remains to be seen. It yeah, remains. These are the, un, these are the unfinished, <laughs> these are the unfinished uh, issues, right? <laughs> of course. We'll save them for next time. We'll, yeah. we'll address them. <laughs> Next time we'll get, yeah, we'll, yeah, we'll have push it figured it, out. By push then. it every week. Yeah. We'll yeah. kick this can down the road. And yeah. <laughs> what, what, yeah. what I wanted to say is this, is that I, I think that we shouldn't notice it. We should, people mm -hmm. should be able to go through their life normally. And you wouldn't know, I wouldn't know that my neighbor sitting next to me 
he pays property taxes to this county or he pays property taxes to that. I mean, it's in a different county, you would, but let's say that taxes were decentralized based upon um, your belief system or what or, or what you want to support. It's, it's that same idea. You don't know if your neighbor is this religion or that uh, political party unless they share it with you. And the idea is that it shouldn't matter what um, someone registers their property to. You, you, you shouldn't really care if this guy or, or that gal registers their property here or registers their property there, that really should have no bearing on, on someone else. That that's the, my idea is that people should go to the grocery store, should be able to travel, should be able to live life as we do and exchange and labor and create value and, and do as they do. Um, it, it, it shouldn't be something that is like, oh, look at that. That's one of those decentralized jurisdiction people over there. Yeah, I agree with you. It, it shouldn't, <laughs> but I believe human nature is such that those issues probably would come up at some point just because there's people who feel that that's being a, a free rider or a trade. Even a, some might go so far as say you're a trader, you know, not, and this is not my view. I'm just saying that those people are out there and that, and that there could, that there's very likely to be some conflict here. Right. Well, I mean, that's why it's important to, to codify and to express what your will and intention is before doing it. That way you can make it clear that um, in no way, shape or form are you, because right. if, if that's why I feel it's important to be done in a spiritual religious setting, because, because that's actually, as I understand the, the foundation of governments and, and contracts on behalf of the, the men and women of the country are, are done under God. They're done under the authority of God there and, and they're done, they're done on a spiritual backing. And so people have the, the freedom and the right to act according to their conscience. And so long as they're not <laughs> infringing upon others, and then there's a dispute that needs to be remedied. But you know, there's, there's kind of a nice symmetry here because we, we talked about how government democracy in the nation state was a reaction to the monarchy, monarchy and feudalism and the, the marriage of church and crown that kind of characterized the, the, the historic, the history up till you know, the modern nation state was created what in the, during the American and the French revolution is kind of like the break with that world. And now we're talking about how the nation state has kind of grown in to become very similar to that thing we tried to get away from before the, the crown and the church married together. And so, and we're pointing in, in technology is opening up a, an avenue to where we can return to a spiritual footing, a, a, a return to the church, not the church as, as it is, as it were, but a more, a more broad understanding of it as being the foundation for nation state 2.0. So it's like, it's like the, it's like spirituality was replaced by the secular world. And we're seeing the secular world become a God unto itself to some degree. And that the way to kind of, rein that in is to return to a spiritual footing that's i think that there's a funny symmetry and not funny it's ironic maybe or just it's something there's there's a word for it it's it's interesting um i find it interesting i see that i dig it yeah well guys i think this was a a great overview uh we went into some some good detail uh a lot of questions unanswered you know hey maybe we uh wake up in the middle of the night and i got it you know hopefully that's that's the uh what happens but uh, i think more likely is that we just uh let it happen and and see where it goes and like lucas said 
you know, we shouldn't even really notice it. Yeah, guys, I really enjoyed this conversation. I uh, appreciate your time. Yes, absolutely. Same, Thank same you, brother. Here, Evan. <laughs> All right. See you guys next week. Thank you. Adios. Yeah.